1: And everything in between. CBS Sports presents
0: the Cover Three Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson, and our win total series, our award-winning win total series. Um, and the award is just something I printed on uh, on on Microsoft Publisher for you, Barton.
1: You're not going to be your own biggest fan. Who is?
0: (laughs) We've we've arrived at the SEC West. Uh, It is is the conclusion, at least for the Power 5 conferences. Make sure that you subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast if for some reason this is the first time that you are listening to this because you can get all of our previous win total series and you will be dialed in uh, when our Notre Dame group of five and the Camp Buzz series kicks off here at the end of the week. So... Barton, I, with with so much to dig into with the SEC West, uh, I really don't want to waste any time at all. The question is, are you ready to count them up?
1: Count them up. As much as I think it's the, the under count is a up. safe play, like I can't even.
0: Count them up. Count them up. How many games you going to win this fall?
1: I can't fathom who wins.
0: How many games you going to win this fall?
1: I just can't. I don't see it. It's not not on there. It's Not not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere.
0: And the SEC West, we begin with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Would you know it, Barton? The Alabama Crimson Tide have the highest win total in the SEC West. Now, we talk about Alabama all the time. But I don't think that we spend a lot of time really digging into sort of the the potential pitfalls of the schedule because I do think it's important to remind um you know remind the the listening audience that this is a team that while they do not lose often in the regular season, they do lose in the regular season. In 2017, it was the Iron Bowl against Auburn in 2015 it was against Ole Miss in 2014. It was against Ole Miss. So championship-winning teams still can take L's under Nick Saban. So the over/under win total is set at 11 for the Crimson Tide. What's your pick?
1: Well, the the here's the nice thing about this year's Alabama team, and and as a response to what you just said is because the the non-conference schedule doesn't really present a challenge. No, all all respect to the Duke Blue Devils. Um, There's, as I see it, three, maybe four games that are losable. What's your fourth? Well, the three are at Texas A&M. Right. LSU. Yep. And at Auburn. Yep. The fourth is I on on the, the the kind of the the three and a half the like on the right day right circumstances but like at Mississippi State mm. I think is not one that should be taken lightly. Mm. Uh, if somehow the Joe Moorhead offense clicks, and if somehow and you know Bob Shoup, I know they had three first rounders last year on that defense, but you know they played Alabama as well as anybody um, defensively. In the uh, in uh, in Tuscaloosa last year, so so. Anyways, my point is because there's only three, four at most, losable games, they are easier to sort of rally the troops for, circle the wagons, dial in and and put together your best performance. It's sort of the 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 uh, reverse of you know. A target on your chest every week and and you know everyone's you're getting everyone's best shot you, you can really um tool up and 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 give those four teams your best shot so that side of it I'm sort of is, is a is a positive for the over uh I'm not even going to talk about offense it my 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 concern if there is one is the defense which is weird like, it's a weird place to be in, in in sort of analyzing an Alabama team. We saw a little bit of last year. I mean, offense was obviously the strength. Defense was a little bit uncharacteristically um, soft. That's that, I don't mean that in like the... It wasn't a soft defense, but it was softer than we're used to seeing. Sure. Uh, and yet, it was still one of the best in the country. So, the 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 bar we're comparing it to at Alabama is so is so high. But this year once again there's a you know you gotta be a little bit concerned about depth at, at linebacker, inside and outside. The Yabianoma transfers to Houston after getting dismissed with I don't know what the deal was there, but sounds like he had he was dismissed from the from the school. Um it's you know they've they've got to find pass rushers, and they got to find depth on the inside at, uh, alongside Dylan Moses. And that just makes me – that, that, that gives me a little bit of pause. But I still think when you go and look on the other side of the ball, there's just too much firepower, and there's too much motivation, and there's too much focus from this team given the way it went out last year to not feel like this is going to be a really good version of one of Nick Saban's most talented rosters.
0: I think that this Alabama team, if it was totally unleashed, can probably score 42 points a game. I think that this Alabama team, if it's totally unleashed, could look like... um, and, And we saw this a little bit last year where... You know, you, you just sort of watch an Alabama team. If you were to change the jerseys, change the helmets, you could bet, like, "Wow, this is a Big Twelve offense." You know, this it the the what the speed at which they were playing, um, the the formations that they were running, it was just so far from when we saw Derrick Henry run into his uh, interior offensive linemen's butts for four yards upfield every single time. Like it like it had all of the looks of an evolution. And I I am fascinated to see as we've got uh we've got Sark back, right?
1: We have Sark back.
0: Yeah, so like yes. I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see and you know we got Charles Kelly back on defense and you know we got Sa- uh we got Series Salson-Sary. K- back. Like the the coach getting the band back together for me is the number one uh intrigue point that could potentially become concern it might not be concern it might be that um you know Nick Saban is still able to get as much efficiency as he wants but you know does does that mean that we see uh a little bit of a shift you know we you and I are looking here on paper at the Alabama offense and I don't want to speak for you on this one, but I'm kind of thinking about it almost like a video game style or like I've got the best fantasy football team. If college fantasy football was a thing that a lot of people did that I would be locked and loaded with a ridiculous skill position talent that can get me points every single week. But you know, you mentioned uh, there are on the personnel side on the defensive, uh, like on the interior part of the defensive uh, side of the ball, you've got a couple issues and, you know, I'm just, I'm just very curious to see how sort of the, the inner workings, the game planning, the the way that this new retooled staff uses and coaches up the players that are on this roster. Because clearly, we're dealing with an Alabama team that can go win a national championship, and clearly, we're, we're dealing with an Alabama team where the floor is probably you know just one regular season loss. But as I as man as I look at it at 11 I think I'm still going like over or pushed to over.
1: Oh yeah, I'm still going over. I'm still getting and I think I, I mean at Jordan Hare, I mean that's that's scary, you know, that that tail end of the season like those are some those are some scary scary moments, but I think you still if you're placing a bet what's more likely uh i still, still thinking I think 11 and or 12 and 0 is more likely than 11 and 1 with this roster think about this too 2017 Alabama recruiting class the best recruiting class of Nick Saban's tenure of one number one recruiting classes the best recruiting class in according to our 24-7 sports rankings since 2010 uh, the University of Florida the, this is a 2017 class that's now all juniors and I mean, that that talent is, you know, their starting left and right tackles are are those guys. Their entire starting receiving core, starting running back, starting quarterback. Um, they're now now these guys have come up and they're, you know, Dylan Moses starting a middle linebacker, LeBron Ray will be a starting defensive end, you know, that Xavier McKinney starting at safety. Like that class is fully coming of age to where, I just think that. I would imagine there's really good leadership. I would imagine that there's a hunger and 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 I, again, it's you know, it's flexing. That class is, is it, it's their year to flex.
0: If they like at Auburn at the end of the year and my my Auburn, Auburn thoughts have been detailed, will continue to be detailed, but they ain't losing that game if they've lost one before. Right? Like like if let's say that, you know, at Texas A&M, let's say Jimbo gets them, right? Let's say Texas A&M uh, pulls off one of those kind of stunner games. Well, then I guarantee you that junior class is going to be laser focused and won't lose another game the rest of the season.
1: Well, yeah, but the number is 11 and a half, right? Ooh, is it 11 and a half? Wait, what is the number? I've got it at 11. Oh, okay. Well, then good. Yeah, you're right. So even even one loss, you still get a push. There's no, yeah, this is not a two loss team. Count them out!
0: The LSU Tigers coming off uh, a season where I think some some confidence was sort of uh, really injected into the the Ed O'Toole era. You know, he's uh, he's eight wins, nine wins, and then uh, then you get the the ten wins last season thanks to the bowl victory against UCF. Really could have been eleven. Uh, that seven, I was I feel like that seven overtime game against Texas A and M deserves an asterisk that we should award both teams a win because. Uh, the the football that was being played at the end of that game was not exactly football
1: yeah that's uh that's yeah that was red, that's red a congratulations red. for playing yeah
0: that was a, they were playing Red rover or tug of war <laughs> right. by the end of that game like who who can still stand up anyway uh our over under win total for this season is set at nine we got the uh the game at Texas which uh which you and I will be at cover three will be on site in Austin. Uh, I got hotel booked. Uh, Will we'll, you thinking maybe a Saturday night podcast from our uh, from the hotel
1: again? Oh no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a that's a late that's a late beard podcast night for sure.
0: And uh, and and so as I'm looking at the rest of the schedule, you know, count, counting up to nine was not hard for me
1: to do. That number is only at nine.
0: But getting to ten is tough.
1: Yeah, that's well. I mean, that, it takes. That, that's kind of where if I'm you at get right to now. 10, you're beating some really good teams, right? That's. I mean, that's the thing. So you have to account, like you have to decide if you think LSU's a really good team to get. Like you can't just back into ten wins. I agree with that. You have to decide. I think LSU's a really good team if you're going to pencil them in for ten wins.
0: And not just that they're a really good team, but they're going to win multiple tough games against really good teams of equal or greater talent.
1: Yeah, and this is a th- and they've this is not a Bush League schedule here. I mean, they, they they're at Texas. Utah State is one of the best Group of 5 programs in the country. Um even Georgia Southern traditionally is not a fun play. So this is this is not a schedule that just, you know, this is a Missouri schedule. Um so I, you know, I looked, I think last year and then the win total was maybe like nine again or eight and a half or something. And I think I was on the under last year. I think I had low expectations and we we're coming off a year where it was a little bit of a disappointing nine and three in 2017. So 28, like where was the, where was the Ed Orgeron tra- trajectory going to take us? And he's, I think he surprised me to a degree la- last year. So I've, so I'm, I'm a little bit more bullish this year. Uh, And in fact, like I, I found my, I sort of stumbled into 11 and one and, and backed off it and sort of found another loss somewhere. Right. But so I'm, I'm at 10 and two, but this is, I mean, this is one of those teams where from a, from a roster standpoint, from like, from my perspective, when I look at the names and see, you know, and just sort of see what they can be, how talented they are, dude. This this roster is—I mean, this is a stacked team.
0: Rashard Lawrence, Caleb Von Chason, Michael Divinity, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit are all players that could be first-team All-SEC uh,
1: defenders. So Caleb Von Chason gets hurt first game last year, misses the season, uh, balled out before he got hurt. had high expectations, and is a former five-star. And coming off that injury, his junior season, he is a – he gets number 18, the like the LSU sort of honorary team leader number, which tells me everything I need to know about what I should expect out of him this year. Yep. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah for so, sure. So you got him coming back. You've got – like the linebacking group is this loaded collection of – Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen and Michael Divinity and, you know, what combination are they going to use with those guys? The secondary, Grant Delpit, we all know about. But Christian Fulton probably had a better year last year than Greedy Williams. I agree. And now you got Derek Stingley coming in as a true freshman that's uh, is is apparently just like been an absolute terror uh, on the field ever since he stepped on foot and during bowl practice. You got four – Offensive lineman coming back. You got a, a, an absolutely loaded receiving core. You got Joe Burrow, who is not flashy necessarily, but probably the most competent. Like even st- like a step up in competency from Danny Etling, the new newly anointed wide receiver uh, for the New England Patriots. Um, and the running back group is really is, is, is good, is better than last year as they sort of took a step back there. And now you got Joe Brady coming in, who's bringing in the Joe Moorhead RPO stuff to add to the equation. And you got the two hundred two and a half million dollar coordinator, Dave Aranda. Like, you just sort of you, you kind of keep on listing off like pros and cons of LSU. The pros list gets pretty long. The the cons list isn't isn't not super deep. So, uh, that that nine and a half to or that nine number, uh. I'll take the over on that. I'll, I think this is one of the first ones in a while. It felt sort of, um, you know, that, that it's not just sort of a push to one side or the other, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just sit on that over.
0: This is a, a great season for LSU. If they are able to capitalize on death Valley being a home field advantage because Florida that's going to be in death Valley. That's homecoming. Auburn, that's going to be in death Valley, Texas A and M that's going to be in death Valley. To me, those are the three games along with the game at Texas. So let's say those four games, those are the ones that are going to determine this win total because eight and four is not out of the realm of possibility. You could like LSU could go one and three in that stretch of those games that I just mentioned. You throw in the Alabama loss. That's eight and four. Uh, you know, they go two and two throw in the Alabama game. Now all of a sudden we're at the push. You got to go three and one against the likes of Florida, Auburn, Texas, A&M and Texas. But you got three of those games at home. If they defend Baton Rouge, boy, this sounds like a old war story. I tell you what, if LSU (laughs) goes and if they can defend Baton Rouge, well, then they will hit 10 wins. (laughs) uh like like, but that's i mean that is a great great place to be in i think if you're ed Odron and if you're this lsu staff and i do think i do think there's a lot of confidence coming from you know you mentioned the competence i thought you were going to say confidence because joe burrow is sneaky swaggy
1: oh he's yeah yeah he was um i was so jacob phillips was in nashville this spring for um it was maybe early summer or spring either way he was he was in town and there was like a because he's, he's from Nashville originally and there's this camp where a lot of his sort of trainers were out former trainers were out so he was he was out hanging around and I was just talking to him and I was like so what about you boy Joe Burrow <clears throat> and he kind of got this smile and looked over at me and he was like he's a stone cold killer and like or he was I can't or maybe he said like he's an assassin or something but like it was a very like Joe Burrow has the confidence of the team.
0: Yes. You know what I mean?
1: Yes. Like it they, I think they like playing for that guy and and I think they like his um I think they like his just attitude and yeah, swagger. Like I think they you know, he's got that and confidence and grit and edge, whatever you want to call it. Um so that's a I mean he's an LSU type of quarterback and they've not, and they they've been missing that for you know, for for a lot of these years, that they've missed a guy that that really can can go and and be that lightning rod for the team. Um, so I think that adds confidence. And then when you just again, and I go back to Dave Veranda and all the diverse athletes he's got, and all the different I think ways he's going to be able to use them creatively def- on the defensive side of the ball. I just think this is gonna be a really, really good unit. Count him up! Joe
0: Moorhead, um, the the words you know, Joe Moorhead, I think the words we use to describe him as he's entering uh year two at Mississippi State, the takeaways from SEC Media Days, I believe didn't didn't you make this observation? Do you say that he came a little bit more? Uh, humbled a little bit more like understated compared to maybe some of the (laughs) compared (laughs) to uh, the way he arrived at sec media days the year before Uh, they went four and four in conference play finished tied for fourth in the division um, eight and five overall there you know there were highlights the the defense was able to lead the way in wins against Auburn and Texas A&M but outside of that you uh, you found uh, the offense, which was supposed to be Joe Moorhead's calling card, really struggling to get points against the likes of Alabama, LSU, and Florida, as well as the loss to Kentucky. So as we're looking at an over under win total, I'm seeing it right here at eight. Boy, we're we're just sitting here in push land with these SEC numbers. Uh I'm not saying that – i I'll go ahead and throw it. I've got this like push slash under. If you're holding my feet to the fire, I think seven and five is more likely than nine and three. But, you know, a lot of that comes down to these toss-up games. So where are you at with Mississippi State?
1: Oh, I'm heavy on the push. Heavy on the push. Um, but, so I don't – yeah, I mean, it's – it's to, to go over then, we got to talk about them beating the likes of – someone like Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, or Alabama. I mean, the the push basically is them winning all the games they're supposed to win, losing all the games they're supposed to lose, and I feel like they are... They, like, we have more confidence in them being a step below the games they're supposed to... The teams they're supposed to lose to than we do them being a step above the teams they're supposed to beat. Does that make sense? I
0: have a potential... Of four straight losses at Auburn, at Tennessee, LSU, at Texas A&M.
1: Sure, I think that's that's conceivable. I, so
0: I that kind of stretch is just gonna have me bouncing way away from even considering an uh, a nine and three season.
1: Yeah, I think nine and three takes some takes some cojones to to make that pick. That this team, like if if they're nine and three, then we're gonna have a very different opinion of Joe Moorhead at the end of this year. Because that will mean that the Joe Moorhead, like this the the idea of Joe Moorhead as the offensive guru will have taken shape once again. Because that was what they were missing last year. And I and I think there are two there are two problems last year. One, the receivers were not good at all. Like it was a bad receiving core. Two, Nick Fitzgerald, we like Joe Moorhead's offense is more of an RPO, quick decisions um downfield passing game offense and i think what dan mullen has has shown is that he is you know he he's he can work with a grinder athletic quarterback and and sort of use those legs use the 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 quarterback run game as a <clears throat> as a real you know
0: oh heck yeah dude part. he's from,
1: he's from the urban school
0: love that right. quarterback power
1: Exactly. Yeah. So now we got Tommy Stevens coming in. And by the way, you know, there's Vegas odds out there of quarterback competitions. Throw all the money at Tommy Stevens. All of it. There's no way he's not winning this job. Tommy Stevens left Penn State where he probably would have still been the starter to come play for Joe Moorhead. He ain't coming to play for Joe Moorhead to sit the bench when he just sat four years waiting his turn at Penn State. Uh, no chance. Tommy Stevens is not the starter. So find wherever you can find that those those starting quarterback odds, eat it up. Um, Keaton, Tommy Stevens. Keaton
0: Thompson's a good player, though.
1: I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying the, the, the like Tommy Stevens did not come to Mississippi State without like a wink and a nod that competition here. But you're getting it because right. he, he passed up like he. It's if he passed up a starting job at Penn State. So, so, Tommy Stevens is a quarterback. He's going to be better than than Nick Fitzgerald at running Joe Moorhead's offense. Is he dramatically better? I don't know. You know Kylan Hill, as a junior, will be one of the best running backs in the country. I think their offensive line is probably still going to be pretty good. And I think defensively, they're going to be so much better than people realize. Uh, yeah, I know they lost three first-rounders, but... Uh, I, I really think the defensive edge guys, Marquis Spencer, Chauncey Rivers, are going to be really good. Their linebacking group is stacked. Cam Dantzler at cornerback, all-American type of talent. So there's players. But ultimately it's about does the defense take a big step back and the offense take a big step forward, or does one of those two uh, you know, surprise us, disappoint us, um, and, and they don't meet in the middle. So I'm going push to under. Um and I'm fascinated at uh, at what the narrative will be on Joe Moorhead after this season.
0: Mm. So where where are your losses?
1: I got the ones that they're supposed to lose to. I got them losing to Auburn, LSU, A and M, and Alabama. You know, maybe if that A and M game is at home and not on the road, you know, I could flip that one. But I don't. I'm not sure they're going to go to Kyle Field and win that game.
0: Coming up on the other side. We will be taking a look at Auburn, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Arkansas as we wrap up the SEC West. Next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance All right, Barton. Uh, the Auburn. We're finally here. We're finally
1: here. <laughs> nice.
0: The Auburn number is set at eight. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm over. You could move this to eight and a half. I would take it over. You could move this to nine. I would take it over. If you put this at nine and a half, and I had to put uh a significant amount of money down no, i would take wouldn't. the over anyway <laughs> oh man
1: <laughs> oh wow
0: uh, i will admit that was for performance but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh over under win total set at 8 we've got i mean this schedule is really tough uh oregon in arlington to start at texas a&m at florida at lsu and then of course you finish with georgia and alabama both those games though in jordan hare stadium uh, where's where where are what's your what's your pick what's your final rule in here
1: uh, I'm, I'm actually I'm on the over so I do I've gone let me give you the visual here so on my Auburn schedule and I mark all these in my Phil Steele magazine here just to kind of kiss as my my one-stop shop to keep up with where all my predictions are And on my Auburn schedule, more so than any other schedule I've filled out, there is a lot of cross out the first guess and put a second one in. Like, there's a lot of games where I switch from win to loss and loss to win. and uh, Because I just think this is a team that is – there could be so many twists and turns in this season. I mean, there's there's the Oregon toss-up. There's the at A&M toss-up. Mississippi State, we can't just sort of overlook there's that Florida toss-up. Like, we're talking about all these sort of Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri's or um you know, these the sort of or these like ACC teams where there's all these toss-up games. Auburn is like a is a is a team that has a lot of toss-up games with top-tier teams. Like they're they're top of the food chain with 50-50 games all over the place. So that's really hard to figure out where where it's going to land. Like, I got you know, they could they could go and win one, two, three, four, five. They could go six and zero, and then I could see them losing to Arkansas. It's just sort of <laughs> overlooking out you know Arkansas as they go to LSU. Sure. Um. So, so I'm anyway. So I'm on the over. I've gotten to the over. There was one version of the schedule where I had them ten and two. There was one version of the schedule where I had them at 8 and 4. I've I've landed on 9 and 3. Um and that 9 and 3 includes an upset of Georgia. Uh it includes a win at LSU. It includes a loss at Texas A&M, a loss against Alabama, and an upset loss at Arkansas. So I know that's like again, that's just me sort of being wild and like picking the craziness. But the bottom line for this Auburn team is it's going to be great on the defensive line. It's going to be one of the best defenses Gus Malzahn's had. Offensive line is returns everyone. Run game is is sort of reinvigorated. Gus Malzahn has the offense back. He has a mobile quarterback. Doesn't really matter that he's a freshman because Gus Malzahn's better off with an inexperienced mobile quarterback than he is with an experienced passing quarterback. So it's just Gus Malzahn being able to sort of be comfortable in his own skin again. And it's gonna be ugly sometimes, but they're gonna figure out a way to win a lot of these games.
0: I, th- I feel like the way that I imagine this playing out probably includes both Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix at different points. And I don't know whether it's gonna be because of performance or injury or if he's just gonna like. I I don't know if uh, I I don't know if we're gonna have one quarterback that we feel like is the heart and soul of this team because the heart and soul of this team is going to be Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and Nick Co. And it is going to be a, a matter of the Auburn defense is going to keep Auburn in every single game. And the Tigers are just always going to need like one drive. You know, they're there's going to need like one touchdown drive to be able to gain the leverage they need to win. And I, I believe that there will be enough mixing and mashing and 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 cooking up some some weird trick plays in the in the chemistry lab for for Gus Malzahn like i i could i could see specialized packages and i could see the the quarterback how Gus handles the quarterbacks being the most like over talked about um over like over discussed topic around Auburn football throughout the season a lot of hand-wringing when like the the like Real secret of it all is the defense is so good that he does just get to play around a little bit,
1: and and, and I also think Gus like maybe if the freshman quarterback was Jared Stidham or uh, some other pass happy quarterback, maybe it would be a little more concerning that it's a, a freshman or a redshirt freshman. But I think given and Bo Nix is less of a I mean. You know, Joey Gatewood is 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 almost like a wildcat quarterback and that's okay that's, at Auburn that's fine like all he's got to do all he has to be able to do is is throw the play action post like if if he's got that throw in his repertoire then it doesn't even matter and they're just gonna they're just gonna get back to just running the rock and be in this power spread team or, or 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 power no huddle team and and I think that I mean that's that fits like that fits what Gus Malzahn wants to do. Like I was looking this Oregon game is, is an example of, of me overthinking it a little bit. I've switched back to thinking Auburn wins this game because Oregon can sort of pound their chest and talk about being the best offensive line in the country all they want. But ultimately they're still coming to play an elite sec defensive line. Those, those matchups typically don't go that well. Pac 12 against sec defensive line. And an elite one. And so, yes, Justin Herbert is the is the advantage at the quarterback position. But I, I think Gus Malzahn is pretty good at, at, especially in games like this, these national games where he's got to figure out a way to make them close and ugly, he's pretty good at, at minimizing whatever offensive deficiencies he's got and just making it a defensive game. So – I got them winning that one, which is which is what that's sort of the key to flipping me from from eight to nine wins. And, uh, and that's kind of where I've landed right now. Where do you think, and, and
0: it probably doesn't matter, you know, I, I asked this question after, you know, stating earlier, either on this podcast or elsewhere that the, you know, who is running the ball at running back is something that I'm putting uh, a little bit less stock in at the college level. The idea that there are very few, like there's, there's a lot of players that are really, really good, but that the like individual running back, that's going to elevate your whole offense. I, I look at this room and I don't have horrible feelings about any combination of Jartavius Whitlow, Cam Martin, and Sean Shivers. I feel like they were bouncing between them a little bit because of injuries and a little bit because of uh, how much the coaches trusted them. Like I, I, don't, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that there's not one player that I'm looking at and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's ready to go because we've seen – um, what was it? When when Auburn won – why am I blanking on his name? When Auburn won the SEC in – on Johnson. Yeah, on Johnson just put the whole team on his back. I'm I'm very curious to see how that plays out as well.
1: Well, I, I don't think you got I don't think you, I mean I think Whitlow can be the workhorse. Okay. He's you know, he's sturdy, he's physical, he's compact. I think he can be the workhorse. And then you got Sean Shivers, who's this like speed scat, like change of pace guy, and Cam Martin is sort of that guy too. So I think he has the diversity from a skill set standpoint that you need. You know, Karrion Johnson could kind of be all those things in some in some way. So I think he's got the diversity to mix it up, and, and I think that he has the, you know, I think Whitlow has the sort of durability to be the workhorse if he needs to be. So I, I feel pretty good about the run game this year, uh, and and I think given who the quarterback is going to be, I think pass game deficiencies are are less, you know, that's that's less of a factor to me. Count them up.
0: Jimbo Fisher entering year two with Texas A&M. Uh, I would say that year one, anecdotally, just thinking about it, I, I feel like it felt like a success. You know, they they came out, they ended up with nine wins. They finished five and three in conference play, you know, over 500 record in conference play. Never really looked like totally outclassed. They certainly took a, a big loss on the scoreboard, 45 to 23 to Alabama. But, you know, Kellen Mond showed some development and then, the other piece of, as always, when, when a new coach, especially one by the name of Jimbo Fisher, comes in, then you see some improved um, improved results on the recruiting trail. So as we enter this year, I was a little bit surprised to see that the win total, as I'm looking at it, is set at 7.5. But that's also probably because they have one of the toughest schedules in the country. Uh, in addition to uh, the brutal draw of the SEC West, they go at Clemson, the second week of the season, and then they go at Georgia drawing the Bulldogs on rotation from the SEC East uh, November 23rd. Man, the, you know, to finish the year at Georgia at LSU is really, really tough, but seven and a half feels really, really low. Where are you at with the Aggies?
1: Yeah, there, you can make an argument. The Texan plays the four best teams in the country, three of them on the road. Um, so that's, that's tricky. That's pretty tricky. Uh, because of that, I've got them at eight and four. Uh, here's what I've here's here's what I'm what I what was our number here? Seven and a half. Okay, so I've got them. i got them over. I'm kind of glad that I've got the opportunity to, to to play the over here because I do think that they'll be an improved team. I think the, the sort of pivot points of this season, like the things that it hinges on, to me are. Does Kellen Mond and I I put him in a similar boat to to Felipe Franks in Florida? But does Kellen Mond make I don't want to say an unexpected jump, but a um, you know take his game to a level we haven't seen yet under a second year of guidance under Jimbo Fisher? And if that happens, and if he suddenly is sort of one of these the best quarterbacks in the country, and you know I've I've seen people throw his name out there, maybe Barrett. Picked him as like a value Heisman pick. I don't hate that, um, and so is is Kellen Mond that guy because they still have these avatars on the outside at receiver. They have these big body guys, Kendrick Rogers, Jamon Osman, these dudes who can muscle around and, and be mismatched problems, and and I think they'll be able to, uh, you know, with with an improved advance Kellen Mond's, you know, that can be a, that can be tricky to defend. Uh, I think the other side of it is is defensively. Is the defensive line this nationally elite unit? Because it seems like they're they're going to be really improved. Bobby Brown, Justin Matabuki is th- those guys are are really good. You know, can like Demarvin Leal come in as a true freshman and be make a big splash at defensive end? Like, there's a lot to like um, in the in the development of the defense. I think, but is it? Like th- this looks like we're one year away from being an elite national like you know you you better you better have your freaking pad strapped on tight when you're playing Texas A&M cuz you're going to get you know hit in the mouth every play like they look like they're they're maybe a year away from that kind of a unit. Are they ahead of schedule this year? Does that like does this is this year the year that 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 shines through? If it is, and if Kellen Mond's the next level guy, then hey, maybe this is ten and two. You know, maybe this is. But I think the schedule here, is, the itinerary for AM and M is like another eight and four, nine and three, seven and five range, and then next year is when we start really heaping some expectations on their on their plate. I'm on the under, hey,
0: uh, but it's but it is an under where I'm like six and six don't see that happening at all unless there's you know severe injury issues you know bottom falls out uh something goes horribly sideways for the Aggies i think it's a 9 and 3 team that's going to finish 7 and 5 and a lot of uh you know some of it is my math catching up to me where if if i'm going to be you know, if I'm going to be all in on on LSU, if I've got you know these wins for Georgia, if I've got this win for Auburn, and you know you got this Alabama game, you got this Clemson game, all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, that's that's five losses, and you know those are those are games that I, I can't I can't really reverse. So nine and three team with a seven and five record, but that doesn't mean I think that 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 almost sets up that I I probably love that for next year's win totals right like for texas a&m to be building towards something great to be as you said one year away but then the schedule is just so tough uh and you know so unfortunate for their draw that they end up with a only seven wins this year i feel like that's the perfect setup to come in on the other side and you just label te- texas a&m as your dark horse for uh for 2020
1: you better hope they lose both of those end of the year games, because if they if they steal one of those, or even if they look really good, that's going to be they're going to be a trendy team next year, and you may not get a lot of value out of that number preseason. But, but yeah, I I I could see seven and five, I could see eight and four, and I think nine and three is in is is in the realm of possibility. Uh, but I ultimately think w- w- like they they become the most nationally relevant. In our in, in 2020, not twenty nineteen.
0: How many games are gonna win this fall?
1: The Ole Miss Rebels with year three
0: under Matt Luke. They've got a win total here as I'm looking at it. We're setting it at five. Five wins. And to me, the, the big swing game as you're looking at the schedule. Non-con, they, they catch New Mexico State. They start at Memphis, Southeastern Louisiana, but it is welcoming Cal. To Oxford on September 21st, where going up against that that Cal team, where we know we're going to have a great defense and a figure it out offense. Uh, ha- however, that ends up going as Matt Carell takes on that group, that could end up making the difference on whether or not this is a team that finishes with six wins. Uh, how are you looking at the Rebels going into 2019?
1: What did you say our number is here? Five. I'm a I'm a hard under.
0: Hard under at five.
1: Yeah, yeah, they'll get Southeast Louisiana. They'll get New Mexico State. They, I, I bet you Memphis beats them. I, I bet you Cal beats them. Uh, can they get Arkansas? Maybe. And I don't see a whole lot of. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I just don't see a lot of wins. I think. I mean, the idea, like they went five and seven last year with NFL talent everywhere on offense, at least, you know, I know they returned 10 guys on defense, but it wasn't a very good defense. They, I know they've got a couple head coaches as their coordinators. Now, I don't know that there, there's no guarantee to me that that's a recipe for success. I mean, clearly those guys can coach, but there's no guarantee to me that this all works. Uh, you know, three head coaches in the kitchen Uh, and I don't have faith in this offense and I don't, I've just, I've seen the way they've recruited the last couple of years and uh, it's been admirable but because they've, they've had the card stacked against them a little bit but I think this roster in particular reflects like the recruiting class maybe two years ago where, you know, they were really you know, they they, they were really, um, ha, you know, had the card stacked against them, and, and and had didn't have a hold, and it wasn't a great class. And so, I just think this is a team that's gonna be. I think it's the worst team in the SEC. I'll put it that way.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to give them say that you know, Richrod cooks up something special. Maybe they do get the best of Memphis. I'm willing to say that Arkansas is a top... I'm willing to say that basically there are four winnable games here at the beginning of the season, but then after that, all I've got is New Mexico State, and just because I called them four winnable does not mean that I'm willing to pencil them in as wins. So I, too, am on the under, but I I see it as more of a four and eight under rather than the potential of two and ten, which is what it sounds like from you.
1: I've got them at three and nine. So... I get them. I get them. Some. I get them some wins in there. I got them beating Arkansas, New Mexico State, and Southeast Louisiana, and they could easily. They could easily get to four. Like there's enough toss-ups in there to where they get to four. And I'm not even saying that five. They can't get to five. I mean, they they could. I just, if we're saying now to get hit an over, they got to get to six in a bowl. I don't know why a five and seven team. Of, I don't know why last year's five and seven roster. You know, let us put it this way: How could a how could this roster do something last year's five and seven roster couldn't? Um, I don't see that. And if we're if we're counting on this defense, um, man, Mike McIntyre is deserves uh, a raise. He's getting he's he's a million dollar coordinator already. He deserves more than that. If if they're going to turn this defense around in one year,
0: do you mind if I? roll out some reckless speculation here at the 47 minute mark of the SEC West win totals.
1: Is it an, is it, is it interim head coach, uh, speculation?
0: No, 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 that you want to start fading Ole Miss when it comes time for Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre to get their resumes
1: together. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's going to be, so so no, when does that hit?
0: No, that, that like you want to fade them against the spread. I mean, they're not going to be favored against the likes of Auburn, LSU, and Mississippi State. But, yeah. you know, those those if, if things go well early, there might be enough proof in the pudding for those two guys to feel like they can go get head coaching jobs depending on what's going on elsewhere. I don't know. I could be wrong because I think we had like one-fifth of the power 5 coaches turned over this past year and maybe it was like 33 I don't know uh, for the all of FBS I believe it was ultimately a pretty high number so we might be due for a, f- a little bit less turnover but when i see the when you talk about the you know three head coaches in the kitchen absolutely a concern from a you know, game planning, who's got the voice, you know, this, that, or the other, how are they going to all interact with each other? But I think also with those two coaches in particular, they are probably hoping that this is going to get them right back to being head coaches. And I'm, I don't, it's reckless. Just, just let me float that out there as a potential principle that we'll be putting in play come November.
1: It's going to be pretty fascinating to see like how they, I mean, it seems as though this is going to be kind of your classic Rich Rod quarterback run. Fast pace offense. I mean, I think and that's good for Scotty Phillips. It's great for Scotty Phillips, and Scotty Phillips is going to be a good player. You know what? I'm fascinated on the Matt Corral thing. Like this, this monster arm kid who is athletic and is, and he looks sharp in the spring game doing some of this RPO and quarterback run stuff. But he is, he's also like an emotional guy. I mean, who? What was the what was the game last year where he he was like? You know, in the front of the there, there was like a big fight, and he was like in the front of the line, trying to, you know, pulling his helmet off and getting in people's face. Like he, he's he's a fiery dude, who is gonna take some shots running the football, and he is a he's a redshirt freshman, and, you know, what happens if he takes a bad shot and they got to go to the, the next guy on the line there? Um, I think there's a, I think there's enough cracks in the in the foundation here. To, to where it's hard to hard to convince me that over is the, is the safe play
0: and wrapping up the sec West. We've got the Arkansas Razorbacks. This is year two with Chad Morris. He gets Ben Hicks, the wildly productive quarterback from SMU uh, relinking with him here as the likely starter. Do we know that for sure? No, I
1: think think Nick Starkle's still in the mix.
0: Nick Starkle's still in the mix, too, former Texas A&M quarterback. Uh, The over-under win total that we're working with right here is for five. Let's see. We go – we always have the Missouri game. Who's their other
1: SEC East
0: at Kentucky? Where are you at with the Razorbacks? About five.
1: I I ended up being more bullish on them than than I expected. Uh, I got them one, two, three. I got them at five wins, which I didn't expect to get to five wins when I sort of started the process with them. Uh, I think it helps that unlike Ole Miss, they've got a, a pretty manageable non-conference with Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State, Western Kentucky. So that, that should be four wins right there. Yeah. I mean, that's a bad – That there's, there's an embarrassing one in there if they don't have four wins out of that group. Uh, and then can they get one more? In the SEC to get to five, I think they can. I think. I mean, I, is I it think what
0: Kentucky or Ole Miss, one of those two, probably. I,
1: yeah, or or I mean, look, I do think that this is a team that. I mean, they. What was it last year? It was. You know, I know they they faded against Mississippi State and Missouri, but you know that that was the this was the team that like played LSU really close, like it was a tie game, like late in the game. Um, they had one of the best offensive outbursts of the year against Alabama. It was a 7-point game against Texas A&M. So there were some moments there where this team really sort of rose up and so I feel like they are capable like I said of an Auburn type of team who might be looking ahead to to add LSU the next week. Maybe they could knock them off. Um you know, maybe maybe they catch Texas A&M looking ahead who's Texas A&M play before them. They're a bye week, but they got you know bama not not far on the horizon when they play arkansas. so i think they could knock somebody off. i think they'll be improved at quarterback. they'll be improved year 2 in the system. they'll be improved at receiver. Trey Knox, a true freshman already making plays is a big body guy. defensive line i think is pretty good. And they've recruited pretty good there as well, which is which is a benefit and encouraging. so i just think there's some things to like here. They're still behind the rest of the SEC, but I, I, and I've actually got mrs Ole Miss beating them early in the year, but I think as the season progresses, I'm more f- confident in their ability to grow and progress than maybe I am with Ole Miss.
0: Well, where are you at with Chad Morris? Because I was tempted until I looked at the schedule, and as I was just trying to balance any things out, I was like, I don't know, this this was two and ten a year ago, and Chad Morris like. As a head coach, has I mean he's sixteen and thirty three as a head coach, and he's had you know uh, being at SMU, uh, particularly in the at, at that time as they're making their own transitions as a program, you know conference realignment kind of threw them a little bit of a curveball. They have found themselves in uh, you know diff- different spot, but man, I I think that Chad Morris has proven himself certainly at the high school level to be uh, a great offensive mind as Clemson's offensive coordinator to be a great offensive coach. But as a head coach, when you've got a 16 and 33 record, the there's no pressure on Chad Morris right now, but I do think that I am stopping short of believing that he's a home run of a power five head football
1: coach. Well, here's my Chad Morris thing is there, there was a time when the, uh, tempo, we're gonna play balls of the wall fast as hell, you know, and beat you with speed and, and pace. There was a time when that was uncommon and you were doing something different by taking that approach, and it made it really difficult to 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 prepare for and to play against. My worry with Chad Morris is that is no longer a unique approach. Right. Like everyone is playing with pace, everyone's playing with tempo. So is Chad Morris and has Chad Morris found a way to evolve playing complimentary football and sort of doing what it takes to win, or is he just sort of programmed old ball coach style to just, you know, this is the way I've always done it. Let's, let's, it's going to start working. And it's too early to tell like the returns at Arkansas. I do think the offense will be better. If it does an improved offense start to lead to a, Regression on defense. Does you know? I just I I want to be. I don't know that we have. To your point, I don't know that we have necessarily like a body of work to to indicate Chad Morris is a. We know he can coach offense. Is he a great coach at winning football games? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I I think it's fair to say that.
0: And that's why I was like coming in feeling under, but then the schedule that you point out has me like, well, there's four wins and, and you know, can they get one conference win, whether it's against Ole Miss or whether it's just catching somebody sleeping? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I'm, I'm landing at a push. I'm probably a push to under when you're holding my feet to the fire. But you know what? Like, would not be – like, it would be a reversal of my hunch, but not surprising – so like I would change my mind, but I would not be surprised that I changed my mind if this Arkansas team at the end of the year, maybe they knock off Missouri and they end up going six and six. And it's just like a big breakthrough moment. That would have I that would impress me in a way that would be formative in terms of me drawing my opinions on Chad Morris.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't not I hope this isn't a cop out comment, but I do feel like there Arkansas is the type of team that yeah, you know, with the exception of maybe Alabama, you know, the, like I feel like that's the this is the type of team that n- nothing would surprise me in terms of like a one, one game, one Saturday pulling an upset.
0: Well, you you like, mentioned it. There was the the was a close game against Texas A and M, uh, close game against LSU. Like that, it is it is already in this team's DNA to be competitive against the best teams in their division. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Could would be yeah, and, and the other thing about uh, Chad Morris, like even going back to Clemson, like you take you take another look back and you're like, oh yeah, it was uh, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, and Andre Ellington. That's that's easy to play with, <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? Talk- right, and and he's you know, and and s- they don't have to be those guys, but you know, as Trey Knox and Traylon Burks, you know, as as incoming freshmen, like are they? The sort of junior version of those guys and, and is that enough to get to six wins? I mean, that's ultimately what we're asking. Um, I'm, I'm not there yet, but it's, it's in the realm of possibility. Love it.
0: Um, He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We'll be back at the end of the week with our first camp buzz, plus talking Notre Dame's win total and some of the highlights from the group of five. Barton, thank you very much.
1: You sir.